Hello, Nathan Foster here, and welcome to the Renovari Weekly Podcast. My guest today is Mimi Dixon. Some of you might remember I interviewed Mimi back in November, and she's agreed to come back and help me explore the topic of uh, the narrowing gate, suffering, the uh, dark night of the soul. Um, I think you'll find the, our conversation today uh, very helpful, as Mimi is just full of deep insight and, uh, and wisdom. Mimi, just as an introduction, Mimi is um, a uh, senior pastor at First Presbyterian in Golden, Colorado. She's been there for 31 years. She's a part of the Renovari ministry team and Renovari board. As always, uh, thanks for listening and enjoy. A friend of mine talks about the difference between the dark night of the hole that you dug for yourself and fell into <laughs> and the dark night of the soul, which is the work, the the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit in our lives where God doesn't create difficulties. They're, the storm is constant in the Sermon on the Mount, the storm is constant. The variable is what you're hooked into, what you're rooted in. Okay. So storm is part of it. Suffering is part of it. Um, difficulties are part of it. And again, a lot of that stuff's just happening. But my real question is, the place I drill down and that interests me, is what is the role of suffering? What mm-hmm. is the role of of the narrowing way, the pressure in our lives so far as spiritual formation is concerned. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think that God uses it and it becomes a gift. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, you may, do, you, do you see a distinction between a dark night of the soul then and a dark night of the whole? Can, can you tease those out a little bit? Well, of course, John of the Cross talks about the distinctives of the dark night of the senses and the dark night of the spirit. So that's a whole different conversation. Okay. But the dark night of the whole would be where I am looking to something else to fulfill my sense of identity, to help me know that what I'm doing is worthwhile, mm-hmm. to to try to be effective or meaningful for the kingdom of God. So I'm speaking, of course, in terms of people like us, where we're really thinking deeply about life in the kingdom. Mm. And that would be where we lose our way and we have a sense of it. Mm -hmm. Or if we don't, somebody near to us that loves us will raise the question. And my response is telling, Mm -hmm. do I welcome that or do I annihilate the messenger? Oh, when they begin to question the directions we're, we're going with things. Yeah. It, yeah. it is it is telling, isn't it? Do I welcome that as please teach me or yes. <laughs> annihilate? Yeah. 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 So my response tells me, reveals the truth of what they're saying. So I'm kind of wondering <laughs> if maybe what I'm talking about in the narrowing way, and I value this conversation because I think about it, but I don't get to talk about it mm, like true. we're doing here. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of wondering if the dark night of the whole doesn't have something to do with what God is revealing as the path narrows, Mm -hmm. as it becomes more and more pinchy, Mm -hmm. more and more uncomfortable, Mm -hmm. and begins to squeeze me like a toothpaste tube, and what's inside begins, becomes exposed. Yes. And then I have some decisions to make about it, um, 
And of course, then you get into this is where you've been so brilliant in your books in talking about false narratives. Mm, thank you. And what we think is true. Sure, sure. It, that that becomes <laughs> the toothpaste yeah. is spilled out, and we're right. Yeah, we're left to deal with that. Yeah. So, would you put a distinction between? I mean, that narrowing process, which is a really good good topic to work with. Would you put a distinction in the dark night of the soul as different, or does that hole that we've kind of dug in a sense bring us into a dark night of the soul well i'm thinking particularly of course the dark night of the senses that horribly abbreviated is has to do with what we can see touch hear feel the actual senses am i aware of can i apprehend the presence of god and he begins to shut that down Mm -hmm. the dark night of the spirit would be more similar to what mother Teresa is talking about in come be my light where we begin to have less of an immediate sense of the lord's presence and it's because we he's drawing us so near Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. he's inviting us to be in this place where we want him simply because of who he is and not, as Ignatius would say, for what we get out of it mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. how it makes us feel. Yes. A, move, dark, a movement of love of God, moving yes. us deeper, growing us deeper. Yes. yes, and learning to walk in the dark. Yes, yes. Not, not intimating, of course, that there's an absence of light, but we begin to see with new eyes. Mm-hmm. We, we see differently than we did before. And we allow what we're viewing to inform us Mm -hmm. rather than trying to fit it into our expectations and what we Mm -hmm. think it should Mm -hmm. look like. Mm -hmm. Sure. This, This narrowing, squeezing, this narrow road, how does that play out or what does that look like for you or for other people or for me? (laughs) Yeah. See, this is where I think we need so much more conversation. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of the conversation I have with people is around knowledge. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Tell me about the streams. Tell me about what this is. We're really talking about something that takes you into a place that's kind of an unknowing. Mm-hmm, where mm-hmm. Because there's a deconstruction that precedes a reconstruction. And the reconstruction is the spirit beginning to help us see and frame things in a completely different context that's not necessarily natural to us in that um, we don't go, oh, well, I always knew that. Mm -hmm. We just go, huh, well. (laughs) And then you begin to see how it makes sense, but only once you're inhabiting it. Mm -hmm. I I don't think you can look at these things from outside and get very much illumination. Mm-hmm. You've, you've got to live with it a little bit and, and you suffer need help. in it. Yeah, I don't think I don't think you and yourself can become holy. I and myself cannot become holy. It's these kinds of conversations when we say, "I want to drill down for a little while into something that I don't really understand," but I'm beginning to have a sense for the dimension of it. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. We do we do need I mean for some reason God seems to have designed humans to really need each other in this yes. in this yes. on intimate deep levels. So what interests me, I I have something here that um Larry Crabb talked about in his book Fully Alive. Okay. 
When the narrow road God leads us on narrows, we are tempted to ask, Jesus, wouldn't it make more sense for you to prevent all that suffering, to skip the rough times and provide a blessed life of comfort and prosperity and a healed life of self-esteem and self-confidence, but Jesus won't budge. (laughs) His ways are too far above us for our minds to appreciate. He knows he is offering something far better than what we want. God does his most powerful and deepest work through men and women who find the narrow road and walk that road no matter how narrow it gets, anchored in eternal hope, persevering in sightless faith, Mm. and irrevocably committed to sacrificial love. We resist talk of a narrow road that threatens to rob us of our freedom to live as we think best that challenges our assumed right to have life go as we desire if we live a good and moral life. (laughs) Before it's over, life will get difficult for all of us. Remember that the way is costly and the road is narrow, but remember this too. God will never crush his life, his Zoe, out of us, Mm. but he intends to crush into dust what we wrongly believe is life in order to release his life into us. I'll read that last line, intends to crush. Can you read that again? God will never crush his life, his Zoe, out of us, but he intends to crush into dust what we wrongly believe is life in order to release his life into us. Uh, Yes. And, and, and that is, is, I mean, this, if we go back to narratives for a minute, cause that, if, if our narrative is that God's just kind of out to get us, we can see that one way. But if we can see that as an act of love, I love you so much that I won't let you hang on to these lies. Exactly. Mm. Now, see, that's the kind of conversation we need to be having because people's hearts are broken for all the wrong reasons. Mm. And this is the kind of stuff that causes us to withdraw and to say, I need to get sorted out before I can be part of a community. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I need to figure this out. Yes. I've done something wrong or I'm just, I messed up my theology or. Yeah. Yeah. Instead of saying, this is it. That this is potentially an act of God to bring us to these beautiful forming spaces. And so that becomes the conversation. Uh, Where's the pinch coming from? Yeah, and then and then obviously, how do we respond in the pinch when the toothpaste tube is squeezed out? Yeah. <laughs> okay, I have something I, I'd like your help with that that, that fits here. Um, okay. The, a, a friend of mine and I were were talking about something very similar to this uh, just the other day, and in, in, in fact. Mimi, just yesterday, I gave a, I spoke at the chapel at the university on um, come die, <laughs> on dying. Uh-huh. <laughs> so so this, this stuff's cooking in my head uh, this week, <laughs> anyways. Um, that when a circumstance comes, a pinch comes, and we pray for God to remove that, and it's not removed, and we suffer through that. Um, then this picture I had of, or my friend presented of that, that in uh, God's deep love and care for who we're becoming and our formation, um, 
allows us to go through this pinching process. And then this picture of God's role in that, and this is where I'm going with it. Sorry to take that too long. I was thinking of my, my kids, and if they're suffering with something and they want that taken away, um, but I know that enduring that will be for their greater good. Um, and I'm thinking of like taking your kids to get a shot. They don't want right. to do it. I don't want them to do it. And then as a parent, I suffer more so than I think they do. I mean, it hurts me so bad yes. to see them yes. hurt. So then I wonder if then Jesus gives us the same response. You're being pinched. It hurts. And I'm suffering with you in that. Yes. Julian of Norwich and Jesus talked about this very specifically. And what you just said okay. is what he told her. Oh, he said the very worst scourge that <clears throat> one of my followers can ever experience is sin. And he says that the way that he experiences this is, is that it is heartbreaking and that he bends near and he holds us as we suffer. <sighs> and he told Julian that, and this is something that uh, people who spend a lot of time with Julian really wonder about. He says that in proportion to the amount that we suffer through these things, we will experience rewards in heaven because just like you, when one of your kids gets a shot, then what you do is you pour yourself into them. <laughs> and you hold them and and you tell them how brave they are and all that stuff. And she says, Jesus tells her that in the same way, God contains all these things. He holds all these things close. And there will be a time when there will be a reward for it. Mm-hmm. That's that's the word that she uses for mm-hmm. it. But mm-hmm. um, he was just saying that there's a compensation somehow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so God doesn't stand back just frowning at us and say, boy, do you need a lot of work. <laughs> there's, there's, no, there's this sense. In fact, in um, Revelations of Divine Love, this is the only place in all the ancient literature that I'm aware of that Jesus calls himself a mother mm-hmm. and says that he wants us to run to him when we're in pain. Mm-hmm. So it seems to me, Nathan, that when we look at how we respond to those pinchy times. What Jesus told Julian is that when you're hurting, run to me. Mm-hmm. Don't don't run away from me because mm-hmm. you're hurt <clears throat> and because you're trying to get it sorted out. You're trying to feel better. Don't self-comfort. Mm-hmm. Run to me and allow me to scoop you up in my arms and to hold you and to give you the strength you need to persevere. Mm, I love that line, don't self-comfort, because, I mean, that's the, well, that's the human tendency, right? We look for escapisms or ways to numb, Uh, Mm -hmm. but no, no, be with your, be in that pain and and bring me into that. Allow it to drive you Uh to Jesus. She was so troubled, as you know, by her sense of unworthiness and um, that if the Lord was revealing himself to her in such a way, she wanted to be worthy of that. And Mm. it really was an obstacle for her. And 
when we're pinched, that's what we see. It's the it's the ugly stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. If we're responding with fortitude, I, you know, that enables us to move to lean into it a little bit more. But what really wipes us out is all the negative, ugly stuff that we start worrying about and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. thinking about. Well, that's where we need each other. I mean, you're 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 push towards that, then then we can help guide each other and go, no, no, I see what God is doing or I see the Yes. Uh, don't don't self comfort. <laughs> Run. Well, and one of the things we know about this is that in community, the Lord puts people in our lives that see us with his eyes. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. the illusion is if somebody is responding and saying, Oh, but I can see Jesus in this, you just think, ah, it's the great and wonderful Oz that somehow you've cranked this big image and they're responding to it and they don't know the man behind the curtain. Yes, yes. And the reality is they're fully aware of the man behind the curtain. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But they see you for who you are and they're not, they're not bumped off balanced by the great and wonderful Oz or whatever it is that you're afraid that you're projecting this image and they're responding to it when it's all a fabrication, it's all a lie. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So in community, this is the only place we can get well. Mm. Because you say to me, I can see Jesus at work in this. And on my mind, I think, yeah, right. If, if you really knew me, you would never say that. In fact, mm. you would probably not. We wouldn't be having this conversation. But the truth is, and part of the humility that, happens in community is I begin to know that when you look at me, you're seeing me with the eyes of Jesus. Mm-hmm. So you're not, you're not seeing a marred image. You're seeing a person who's struggling with stuff. Mm-hmm. But the person that you see is a person that you love. Mm-hmm. It is a person that you can truly see the Lord released in their life and in their desire and in their longing and in their hope and in their mm-hmm. dreams. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I can only know myself in community, mm-hmm. even as even as the Trinity can only know and be known in relationship to one another. Mm. Oh, that's good. That's, I mean, and I can, I see that, I mean, I've had those experiences where someone will begin to tell a story or something they're experiencing, and it's so clear to me how good this is, but then there's yes. all that mess of, well, I'm this, this, and that, and they run through all the, but, but I, you know, I don't have to go through it in the same way they do, but uh, uh, what a gift to have those people in our lives, huh? Yes, and conversely, someone starts telling you a, an ugly story about themselves, mm-hmm. and you listen to it for a few minutes, and then you hold up your hand and you say, stop. And they go, what? You're not listening to me. And you say, I don't recognize the person you're describing. Mm. Now, one thing about narratives, particularly self-narratives, is the more we rehearse it, the stronger it becomes and the more convinced we are that it's the truth. Mm. Okay. And so one of the things that I wonder about that we might do in community for one another as we talk about the narrowing road is you begin to identify, because it's usually not a lot of stuff. There's mm-hmm, usually mm-hmm. just a few persistent narratives that a person struggles with. And you begin to know that. You know that about the people in your life. You know, sure. when, they're, when they're getting into their little thing. <laughs> and, and we just say, you know what? I, I, 
there's no truth in what you're saying. I know it feels true and mm-hmm. it feels painful, but I know you mm-hmm. and I see you mm-hmm. and I, it, I'm just not, I don't want to listen to that again because I don't want to be confirming something that isn't true just so, simply by listening to it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. This is something I'm working on, I'm wondering about. Mm-hmm. No, it's some good wonderings. Join us next week as I release the second part of my conversation with Mimi Dixon. <laughs>